thanks so much for joining us here on Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagonblast. Well, it is graduation season. People graduating already from colleges and universities. And in just a few weeks, folks will be graduating from high school, Cranford High School in particular, as well as high schools across the state and the country. Today, I'm joined by Robert Naple. Rob is a certified financial advisor for the Fortis Agency. Rob, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thank you, Bernie. Really appreciate you having me on as a guest and really just being able to share my unique experience, the citizens of Cranford. Uh, you know, I serve a lot of clients in Cranford and Union County. And, you know, it's it's great that you you have you've given me the ability to share my unique experience and gifts with the world. And my gift is the ability to do financial planning. Well, as I kind of alluded to in the beginning, this is graduation season, which means folks are certainly thinking about the next steps. And for people who maybe are already in colleges and universities, if they're continuing on further education, whether that's a, a graduate degree or they still have to complete their undergraduate degree, or certainly those who are in high school and either looking toward graduation in June or perhaps a, a little bit uh, earlier in their process, maybe they're, they're sophomores or freshmen at, at high school, thinking about what are they going to do when it comes to higher education. Financial planning is obviously critical to that. You don't just decide this at the last minute and decide that I'm going to be going to a school and how I'm going to pay for it. And I should mention, not just universities and colleges, but there are trade schools as well that people need to pay tuition for and, and things of that sort. So tell me a little bit about your business. What do you do, if you would, please? Yeah, sure. Great. Thanks for asking. So being a financial planner, I look at people's goals, right? And their goals might be they want to help their children pay for college or higher education, or sometimes they don't even want that their children might not want to go to college or, or university, but their children might want to become an electrician. And so they'll go to trade school, learn to be uh, an electrician, become a journeyman, and then they'll become a master electrician. And then they might want to start their own business. So the clients that I work with, they want to make sure that their children can have every opportunity that life has to offer. I mean, at the end of the day, money is, is what we need to, to fund those opportunities. So what I do, though, is we look at their goals and we look not at, uh, at long, just long-term goals. We look at short-term goals, mid-term goals, and then also, of course, long-term goals. And we take a look at how they're currently saving. I've been doing this for about seven, eight years now. Not one single time have I come across somebody who's saving the way they want to be saving. So I asked them, I say, if you had a dollar or a hundred dollars, how would you want to save that to your short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals? You know, they'll say, I don't know, Rob, a third, a third, a third. Okay, great. How are you saving now currently? And we look at whether they're systematically saving, whether it's a savings account, a brokerage account, their 401k. More times than not, they're saving typically, say, 20% into their short term, 80% into their long term, and 0% into their, into their midterm. In my industry, we call that a behavior gap. And what a behavior gap is, is when what we want to do and what we say we want to do and what we're actually doing, they don't align. So my job as a financial advisor is to close that gap and to make sure that what we say we want to do is what we're actually doing. With this, obviously, sooner is always better than later. You know, it would be ideal to start saving for higher education shortly after a baby is born. But a lot of times life gets in the way 
and that savings plan doesn't start until later. What about the person who maybe hasn't been able to put away much for higher education? What are some of the things they should be looking for? Obviously, saving money is a key part of that, but should they be investing money in stocks, which maybe have a higher return, but a greater risk, or doing something that's a little bit safer that they know that money is going to be there no matter what? Almost any financial advisor that you speak to, one of their most used uh, sayings or phrases will be, it depends. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, it depends. It depends mm-hmm. on what their goals are, right? So if their goal is to pay 100% of their child's university tuition bill, well, then they might have to write a check at the beginning of every semester. And depending on where their child's going, that check might look like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. So if they have the cash flow to do that, great. But if they don't, then they're going to want to look at financial aid. Before they start looking at financial aid, though, they might want to rearrange their assets. And what I mean by that is when we're filing for our FAFSA, which is our the form for financial aid, the government, we're taking into account where all of our assets are. So that could be our retirement accounts, the value of our home, the money we have in the bank, the money we have in our investment accounts. And there's different strategies that can lower our EFC. And when I say EFC, I mean our effective family contribution rate. So if we have a lot of money in our brokerage account, right? Our traditional investment account, that's not our retirement accounts because our retirement accounts don't count towards our EFC and the value of our home don't count towards the value of our EFC either. So a strategy that we might implement, we say, okay, you have $100,000 in your brokerage account and you have, I don't know, $200,000 left on your mortgage. Take the $100,000 out from your investment account and pay it towards your mortgage. Then you could just take a home equity line of credit out to pay for the tuition. And you could still get as much financial aid as you possibly can. But before all of that, we have to look at the universities and the colleges that we're that we're looking to apply to. Some universities will cover 100% of financial need. Some will cover 90%, 80%, 50%, some none at all, right? So we have to take a look at where does our child want to go? And then we have to look at what financial aid will this college award to us? And then we have to say, okay, is this something that we can afford? If yes, great, we apply. If no, we might have to have that tough conversation with our child and say, look, this just isn't in the cards. They might want to go to Dartmouth or Yale or Northwestern, Northeastern. We might have to have those tough conversations. What would you say are some of the most common misconceptions that you hear from parents when it comes to saving and paying for higher education? So there's two different camps. One camp, which my wife and I are both on, is paying 100%. My parents did not pay 100% of my university bill, uh, but her parents paid 100% of her university bill. She went to Johns Hopkins for undergrad, and then she went to Harvard for medical school. So she has no student loan debt, and she's she's a doctor. So there's that one camp where we want to pay 100%. And then there's the other camp that says, hey, look, I paid my way through college. I want my children to learn the value of a dollar and hard work so they don't want to pay at all anything. My response to that, though, is, look, you might have paid for college yourself. That might have been in the 80s, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, when tuition was somewhat affordable. You can work 
and pay your way through college. It's just not doable today. Mm -hmm. So our children are going to have to take on some student loans and those student loans by the time we graduate can be upwards of a hundred, 200, $300,000. I have some clients who have $400,000 with student loan debt. The monthly bill is about $4,000 a month. That's more than most mortgages. Mm -hmm. And that's a debt that will take our children a very, very long time to get out from under. It's very difficult to get ahead financially when you have a big, huge student loan like that. Talking about student debt, obviously, a lot of the financial planning that you do is in preparation for doing higher education. But as you say, many people do graduate from schools and have a substantial student debt that they have to pay off. How do you plan for it's too late? You know, let's say I'm a senior that's going to be graduating from a school. I have this debt. I can't get rid of it automatically. It would be nice if I could, but I can't. How do you help somebody who has that financial debt already in place figure out their future to pay off that debt, but at the same time be able to live? So there's a third party company that I like to work with. They're called Gradfin. They do a lot of student loan refinancing so that we can potentially get a lower interest rate and potentially get lower monthly out-of-pocket expenses and overall save money throughout the life of that loan. That's one strategy that we that we would utilize. Another strategy would just be like, hey, if you're making $5,000 a month and you have $2,000 a month worth of student loan debt, I hate to say it, but we, we can't do the things that a lot of our other friends might be doing. You know, going out to the bars, buying those nice new shoes. We have to just keep our head down, work and grind and pay that student loan off. I'm of the belief that we should be paying off debt and also investing as well, right? So if we can refinance that loan from say $2,000 a month to $1,500 or $1,200 a month, and we invest the difference, you know, we might be able to retire that loan a couple of years early with the balance of our investment account. Do you recommend to clients that they look at things such as maybe for the first two years, if they're thinking about college, going to a community college where the tuition rates are obviously much less, or even other options, uh, maybe going into the military so that they can use government funds to help pay for their higher education. Are those viable options that are there for a lot of parents and, and kids who are graduating from high schools? Sure, sure. I, I suppose I would recommend, I mean, I would definitely recommend to the parents, right? Because I'm not, I'm usually not speaking to the children. The children usually aren't my clients. The parents mm -hmm. usually are. But a uh, strategy might be, hey, look, if you don't have the money to, to pay for this university without taking on substantial debt, send them to a community college for the first two years, have them graduate. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you start college. It only matters where you finish, right? And if you have a degree from, say, Rutgers or Coldwell College, those are those are great schools. They're recognized schools. Let me ask a little bit about you. Like me, your degree is in communication, but you ended up going in a different direction than I did, working in the financial field. Tell me about your journey. First of all, why did you study communication? And then how did you end up working in the financial industry? When I started college, I went to the same university that my father went to, 
St. Francis College in Brooklyn, New York. And when I first started, I was a psychology major. You know, figured I'll uh, be a psychologist or a therapist or whatever. And then about a year in, I decided I wasn't that into psychology. So I changed to biology, thinking maybe I'll be a marine biologist or something. Turns out biology is a very hard major. Uh, <laughs> so I wasn't the best student when it came to studying and being a biology major. So then I switched to communications for reasons being that it seemed like it was decently easy. And at that time, I just wanted to graduate. So I switched to communications and with a focus in like an acting focus, thinking maybe I'll be an actor. I never did any auditions. <laughs> I graduated college. I went to a, a job fair. There was a recruiter for one of the big insurance companies. Uh, I won't name names, but a big insurance company. He recruited me to work there and sell life insurance. I worked there for about a year or so, maybe a year and a half. And then I decided I don't really want to sell life insurance. I want to be a financial advisor. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Mm -hmm. I decided that I was going to go on the independent route. And I joined up with the Fortis Agency, decided to hang my hat there. I got fully licensed to hold myself out to be a real financial advisor where I could manage money and provide advice on a fee basis level. From there, I got my certified financial planner degree, uh, CFP, which in my opinion, I think if you're going to be giving financial advice to anybody, a bare minimum, you should have a certified financial planner designation because the bar to entry to hold yourself out as a financial advisor is pretty low, right? So the difference between you, Bernie, and myself is I have a couple of licenses, right? So that means that I can manage your entire life savings legally, whereas you couldn't manage my entire life savings legally. But again, the bar to entry is one or two exams to do that. And if you're a good test taker, you could study for a week or two weeks, pass the exam, and the next thing you know, you're a financial advisor. You don't have any experience, you don't have anything. A certified financial planner, though, it's you have to take about seven or eight college level courses. You have to pass an exam. It's a, it's a much more difficult exam than the FINRA exams, about a six hour exam. And you have to maintain high ethical standards. And you also have to have a minimum of three years worth of experience. So like I said before, I have about six or seven years of experience. That's what I decided to do. You know, the one gentleman who recruited me, he got me onto this onto this road to becoming a financial planner, and I haven't looked back. A lot of times, I think parents, when they're looking at higher education for their kids, they're not only looking at what are the interests of their child and what schools they might go to, but they're also thinking about, well, what is the long-term financial return? You take some majors, there's a higher financial return than other majors. I'll use communications again as an example, since we both have that degree. If you look at statistics, that is not one of the degrees that is held in the highest regard in terms of future financial earnings during your career. But there are other careers that have a, a higher return, particularly STEM-related types of degrees. How important is it balancing passion and desire on the part of the child versus 
at least statistical reality in terms of what the financial return is for a particular degree? So I believe, I'll take me for example, I have somewhat of a lifestyle business, right? So I my business is entirely virtual and I do anything and everything that I want to do. Today, I, I went paddleboarding, stand-up paddleboarding a couple hours before this. I went to lunch with a, with a colleague. And those are the things that I love to do on a personal level. On a business level, I do planning for people. For individuals, though, for young students, I would say if you're going to go to college, if you're going to pay all of that money to go to college, you want to know what you want to do. You're going to want to know what you want to study before you even start applying. Uh, and then you're also going to want to have fun doing it. And even if you're not having fun doing it, you have to find some fun outside of just studying, right? So like I said, for me, I have a lifestyle business. So I do everything I want to do. I, we just, My wife and I just got back from a trip from Turkey this past week. We, we went hot air ballooning. We went whitewater rafting. We did a lot of stuff while we were out there and we love to travel. So I would definitely suggest that that students, they figure out what they want to study first. And then if they can't find the most joy in that, they have to find joy out of something else. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to you and your agency so people can get in contact with you. But uh, before they click on that, tell me a little bit about how they can get in touch with you and the types of services that you do offer when it comes to financial planning for higher education? So I'm the founder. I work with the Fortis Agency, but I'm also the founder of the Parent Advisor Group. You know, we do financial planning for, for young families, you know, people who are looking to conceive, people who, who are currently pregnant, or again, people who just have young families. You can go to parent-advisor.com, see me there. You can email me at team at parent-advisor.com. Well, I want to congratulate you. I know you just recently got your certified license degree. I'm not sure what you would call it. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And we've been talking on this episode of Cranford Radio with Rob Nabel. He is a certified financial advisor. He works with the Fortis Agency. Rob, again, thanks so much for being my guest here on Cranford Radio. Thank you, Bernie. Really appreciate everything.